Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. I use the complete idiot's guide to the Bible. Unqualified. Why can't my kids come into the service? Because we have PG-13 services. Unqualified. That has a nice ring to it. Unqualified. I've always felt that way. It wasn't a compliment. Junior church has taken over. It's designed for elementary kids or junior higher. Who doesn't feel unqualified? It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Do you want to talk about fear-mongering? This is Wretched Radio. Have you been hearing some of the flames that are being thrown from the leftists who are claiming we human beings, we are wrecking the planet? I got to tell you something. If you think that street preachers who have signs with flames all over them are fire and brimstone preachers, how's about that, Greta Thunberg? at all, speaking in such a way to incite dread and fear. And guess what? It's working. And they accuse us. Oh, how dare you scare people? Really? Here's a quote from Greta Thunberg. You're not going to reach adulthood because of climate change. (laughs) Boy, they get upset when we say turn or burn. Did you hear that? You're not going to make it to adulthood because of climate change. Then speaking to the adults, you lied to us. You gave us false hope. You told us that the future was something to look forward to. And the saddest thing is that most children are not even aware of the fate that awaits us. Bum, bum, bum. Congratulations, Greta. Your fear mongering is working. Gene Veith a name that I have not heard seriously for years. I don't know where Gene has been, or I don't know what I've been looking at on the internet when it comes to looking for Christian stuff, but I haven't seen Gene Veith's name for a long time. He's a Lutheran theologian, and I've regularly enjoyed his writings. This particular article, hot off the press, is called Secularist End Times Despair, and Greta is just one of the prophets of doom heralding to the nations that we are destroying ourselves and you're not going to live much longer. And we've heard these prophecies now for a long time. By 1974, we're all going to be dead. By 1982, we won't be able to sustain human life. And on and on go the fear-mongering prophecies of an apocalyptic nature. Greta Thunberg just won. And their voices are being heard. And I share this not so we can just be more agitated with Greta, but so that we can see this as a potential opportunity. Gene Veith quoting Amanda Hess, who wrote in the New York Times, this is this is within the last year, noted that people are already referring to themselves in the past tense. Oh, great. So that. Not only do we have to deal with pronouns these days, but now we we don't even know what verb tense to use to describe ourselves. A whole lexicon, she wrote, wrote, has arisen to attempt to describe its psychological impact. Words like climate nihilism, climate grief, climate melancholia, eco-anxiety, pre-traumatic stress. A global survey of young people released last year found more than half of respondents between the ages of 16 and 25 felt sad, anxious, angry, powerless, helpless, and guilty because, now this is important because we've all heard these statistics about people, young people in particular, who are really bummed out. Why? 
Well, one of the reasons is they believe, quote, humanity is doomed. We're, we're, we're killing ourselves. What's the point of living? What's the point of working hard? Just was it last night? No, two nights ago. I think we were at our cable thing. We found mm, sort of a treasure trove of 32,000 movies. Well, his Hollywood made a ton of dreck, like 34,000 movies to select from. And we went looking, by the way, for the options. So it's like, okay, PG, can we just see those? Oh, no, you're going to have to look at everything. We're not going to give you that filter option. You can do it by other ratings, but not by ratings, ratings. And on the screen, there was a video. It had a foul word on it. I mean, a really foul word. But it, it appeared to be, and this was like the small thumbnail on our screen. It appeared to be a guy in a pool, in a, um, a flotation device with like a, with a, a, a Mai Tai or whatever, you know, with the umbrella drinks in it. And it was basically like, I'm clocking out enough of this hard work business. And that is the mindset of a generation. And at least in part, it is due to Greta Thunberg, like apocalyptic doom speaking. They're scaring them. They're worried about the future. Hmm. Do we Christians have anything that we might be able to say that could bring them, I don't know, hope? There's, there's, there's basically two ways that you can understand this. We will either, by our own devices, run the planet into the ground, or we can trust sovereign God when he is done, when his forbearance ends, and he burns this place up. He's going to put to an end to this current planet and then fashion it into an even better planet than this one even ever was. Why? Because he's going to be dwelling with his people forever. Now, both messages are ap apocalyptic, but one of them is hopeful the other isn't. And we should be seeing this and going, hey, I've been wondering, how can I start a conversation with somebody about the gospel? All right, you know somebody between the age of 16 and 25. Hey, are you worried about the future because of global warming? How do you think the planet's going to end? Well, here's my take, and you're off to the races, aren't you? Oh, when was that? Oh, I should write things down on a calendar, I guess. Uh, for some reason, oh, I know why. <laughs> this was last week. Atlanta was going to get a little chilly again, and that means histrionics. It, it means that the weather people, they're just going to become up just, oh, look out, oh. And Mrs. Friel, I don't know if it was on her phone. I don't know if it was on the television, but it was it was the local weather person. Weather viper saying, and the, ah, ah. and I thought of a friend of mine. Well, at least I think he's a friend. He might not return the relationship, but I thought of a weatherman back in the Twin Cities who briefly went to Chicago and then back to the cities. Really, just the best weatherman I've ever seen. His name is Paul Douglas. He is an evangelical Christian, and he never gets crazy like that. Now, he'll say, hey, everybody, this is really serious. We really think something bad is coming weather-wise. So you might want to do but he's never like, ah, breaking news alert. And I thought, 
I really, I didn't even realize it when I watched him for years and years. I really appreciate that. And I thought, well, I wonder what Paul is up to, because I know Paul. So I, I Googled him, and his, his big thing these days is being a climate change Christian, that he believes in climate change. So it, it forced me to rethink the issue again. And I keep coming back to the fundamental flaw with making these apocalyptic predictions and saying that this is the effect that we human beings are having on the planet. I, I think the, the, the flaw in it all is one word, data. Data. How do we know what things were like 200 years ago? And the answer is we don't. Now, they would say we do tree rings, but really, we're relying on tree rings to tell us what the temperature was on the 4th of July in 1776 or what the summer was like. That's, that's, that's our data that we are using to make these apocalyptic predictions. We haven't even been keeping track of temperatures being a, via a really genuine scientific measuring with a scientific measuring device until I think right around the 1900s. So I just don't believe the data and I don't believe the predictions. And furthermore, I don't think we're going to set the place ablaze because that's God's job. And what was it John, John MacArthur said? And you're not going to do it with your hairspray. <laughs> do they still make hairspray? Greta Thunberg, she's preaching fire. Amanda Hess at the New York Times saying, and it is having an effect. 16 to 25-year-olds believe humanity is doomed. More than half of those in their late teens and early 20s has traditionally been known for its idealism and optimism. Now they believe that humanity is doomed. And we've got experts at the Future of Humanity Institute at the University of Oxford. You heard me. And the Center for the Study of Existential Risk at the University of Cambridge. The greatest threat to our existence is ourselves. Artificial intelligence, biotechnology, nanotechnology, what we're doing to the environment, nuclear war. We, we, we have some options in the face of this. And, and, and these people, I think, have some options as they ponder the future of the planet. They can grow more hopeless they can grow more debauched because that's what happens when you don't think that there's a future. You eat, drink, and be merry today, and you better do it lickety-split and with a great deal of intensity because we're not going to be here for longer. Or we could see more revival. We could see people getting saved because currently they're afraid. Now, it's motivated by the wrong source. Don't fear man. We can only kill you. Fear God who can kill both body and cast your soul into hell. They're afraid. It's just the wrong fear. They're worried about the future, and we have a bright future as Christians. They have no hope, and we worship the God of hope. So if we are hearing all of this global warming stuff, yeah, I think we should be agitated, frankly. But let's use it as an opportunity to evangelize. This is Wretched Radio. Just because Roe v. Wade is overturned, that does not mean the battle for life is over. Would you please consider supporting Preborn Ministries, providing ultrasounds that genuinely save lives? That ultrasound changed everything for me. It really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was going to have a little blessing when she got here. It was just, oh my gosh. <laughs> 
Another woman who chooses life because she saw an ultrasound. Her life, and obviously her baby's life, changed. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. The war for life continues to rage. Would you please engage in the battle and support preborn centers at preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched. If you happen to miss the debut of the Transform podcast with Dr. Greg Gifford, here's what you missed. If God revealing himself is transformative, well, then how do I practically see God? The good news is you can listen anytime you want at transform.org slash podcast or any podcast platform. Brand new episodes debut every Saturday morning with Dr. Gifford tackling issues that we all encounter, but using only the Bible as the salve. It's biblical counseling. It's transformed, and it will take you from brokenness to wholeness. Transformed and all of our resources are only possible because of the generosity of our gospel partners. I encourage you to head over to wretched.org slash donate if you're not already a Wretched Gospel Partner. That's where you'll find answers because I know you have questions. That's wretched.org slash donate. And don't forget to check out the Transformed Podcast with Dr. Greg Gifford anywhere podcasts are heard. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Books of the Bible. First Samuel tells the story of God's interaction with Israel through the prophet Samuel. When Israel asked for an earthly king, God gave them Saul, who, like Israel, drifted from God's law. So God commanded Samuel to anoint a new king, David, who was a man after God's heart. God does not look on the outward appearance, but on the heart. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. My apologies in advance. This is Wretched Radio. There you are, standing with a friend, having a conversation that he or she appears to be interested in. You're enjoying it when suddenly a subject comes up that compels your compatriot to reach for their back pocket. Lo and behold, what you dread becomes reality as they pull out their cell phone to go looking for a text or a picture or a meme. Come on! Can we just have a conversation? So my apologies in advance. I'm not going to mention it was Tom Hammond who sent me this meme during the break, but I got to share it because I think this is a reasonable piece of evidence, even though it's a, a made up meme. That is the reason that so many so many Christians are looking for. a, a, a Really? Are we going to capitulate 
to culture in every regard? Are we going to be this wimpy? Really? Here's the meme. Coming soon from the Gospel Coalition or Christianity Today, how your gas stove is damaging your Christian witness. Mm -hmm. I think maybe both organizations will have articles about it. Why? Because, hey, culture says they don't like that, so we better join them or they might not like us. And then they won't hear the gospel and then they won't ask Jesus into their hearts. Nope. Nope. That is a capitulating That is a not courageous form of Christianity. But of course, it does raise the question, what does courageous Christianity look like? And I'm telling you this meme, which I suspect is being shot all over the memosphere or however these things happen. It it, it captures why so many people are looking for something more muscular. What What does a courageous Christianity look like? And this was the subject that we discussed Really, you didn't discuss it. You just rode the horse into the grave and then beat it to smithereens. What does courageous Christianity look like in our culture today? And we, I think, need to figure it out because we're inclined to go pedal to the metal all the way over to the revolution. There were Christians who have done that, you know. They have taken up arms to revolt, to resist the tyrants. Is that who we are? Is that what we're called to be? Or is a muscular Christianity something else? And is a muscular Christianity one that really flexes its muscles ferociously? Or is it it a flexing that is still attractive and loving? And I'll even use the word winsome. I know it's a terrible term these days because winsome people have a tendency to just be liberal people and then to preach sermons against having a gas stove. But Jesus was winsome. Jesus was meek. Now, does that mean he was always a pushover? No, of course it doesn't. He spoke so strongly against whom? religious leaders. That's instructive, by the way, in this conversation about church and state. What was Jesus' concern? What did Jesus say that he's going to build? Was it church or state? What did Jesus say when it came to paying taxes? Render unto one realm, render unto the other realm, because they're different realms. They're different jurisdictions. Jesus was building his church, not governments, not nations. And I think we see that all throughout the New Testament, that the Bible does not, at least the New Testament, I I think you got to work pretty hard even in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, I just don't think that you find anything that directly states that this is the way that nations and nations' governments are to run based on Christian theology. I just don't see that intersection. I see very brief teachings about the government, and the teachings that we do see about the government are pretty clear. Submit to them, even when they're crummy, because they are God's ministers, and they can bear the sword, and they can whack you. So we are now challenged. We've got, we've got, we've got about a million choices on this subject. Are we going to join the let's, let's get on the, the gas stoves, our bad train, or... 
Let's bear arms train. Or is it something in between? And as long as we're asking the question and I'm beating the horse to pieces again, what am I going to do with somebody who has a difference of opinion? What am I going to do with somebody who is a theonomist and I'm not? I'm not a theonomist. I, that's not where I land. But I know some people who are attracted to that or might even say they are theonomists. Does that mean I have no fellowship with them? Does that mean that I have no relationship with them? No, as is always the case, it could be if the extension of their theology becomes so wonky or it's a persistent sin. Yeah, but I'm just talking about on the, on the face of it here, you're going to have people with different shadings of understanding. Jimmy, I suspect if you and I talked about this issue for 10 minutes, we would go, yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't think I don't. Yeah. And I suspect you and I are pretty much fundamentally on the same page yes. with our understanding, I think, of Romans 13, et cetera. But even the outplaying of that, we're going to have disagreements. My apologies for memeing you uh, in my never before nicotine stained fingers. Another couple of examples of how we can be wise as serpents, gentle as doves. And reminded, what is our commission? Sorry, cheap shot coming. It's not to take over governments. It's not to impose Christian values on people. It is to proclaim the gospel, to go make disciples. And when we study what's going on in culture, I think that we can be aware of these things, understand where people are, and, and, and use that as your starting place. Now, if you don't think this is successful, then you're not familiar with Jesus Gets Us. That is what that is their modus operandi. Did you see any of the commercials watching some of the football over the weekend, Jimmy, from Jesus Gets Us? I did not. Yeah, it's, it's a bunch of pictures of people coming across the border illegally. And then it says Jesus was a refugee. So I don't know what Tom Petty has to do with this. But I think I think what they're saying is you can't be for strict borders because, well, then Jesus would have been kept out. No, Jesus went to Egypt. It was not an illegal act. And even if it were, who owns Egypt? The answer is God. So God commanded Joseph, take your family to a safe place so that you don't get, your son doesn't get killed. And then he came back to Israel, by the way, fulfilling a type of the Old Testament, the Jewish people coming out of Egypt into the promised land. Jesus was a refugee, therefore, accept all refugees. That's what the Jesus gets us was saying. I don't know who's behind all of this, but I'm telling you the tone of it, there's something wonky about it, but they are onto something. And I do believe that we can learn from it. People are struggling in areas and the message Jesus gets us. Oh, okay. Jesus gets us. He understands me. So tell me about him, how he understands me and how he affirms me. It's successful. Now, it's not successful in regenerating people because I went to their website, couldn't even find the word gospel. And I'm not kidding. Couldn't find anything about the cross. Couldn't find anything about forgiveness of sins. But they do know that the world is hurting. So they use that to lure people. Now, are we going to be duplicitous and underhanded? No. But we should be aware Headline from Yahoo. 
This woman, she's a 62-year-old TV presenter. I don't know what programs they are. And I don't, uh, celebrity goggle box, I guess. Hmm. 62 years old. Headline, reveals she has five long-term boyfriends on rotation. And here's what she says. I'm having the best time. I hate to inform you of this, Carol. So are those five guys. They're having an even better time. And she says she's happy. Well, she might be deceiving herself into thinking she's happy, but I know she can't be. Why? As we see this increase in polygamous relationships, open relationships, they can't be happy because that's not the way God designed it. They, 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 they can't be as fulfilled. Now, they can perhaps have whoop de doo times, but as Carol gets becomes 72, her interests are going to be a little bit more focused on the brevity of life. She can't find satisfaction in five boyfriends because that's not the way that God made it. I, I think I mentioned this. The, the, there was a commercial in my Spotify for a podcast that was talking about polygamy, how to go about doing it, how to have an open marriage successfully. Well, those people are going to be miserable. These, these people who are living unchristian lives, they can't find no satisfaction. Why? Because they're not doing it God's way. And that is why at this time we need to be courageous. We need to speak up. Hey, there's a reason you're miserable. You know, climate change, there's a reason you're miserable. You've got open relationships. You're not getting married. You don't want to have any babies. I'm telling you, this is why you're miserable. And it is an opportunity to do what Jesus commissioned us to do. Take over the government and what? Sorry, that's not right. Preach the gospel. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, Democrats in Virginia opened the legislative session recently with a bill to allow 16-year-olds to gender transition and for doctors to hide medical records from parents if parents finding out would likely deter the children. Isn't it the responsibility of parents to deter their children from making bad decisions that society tells them is okay? And if you haven't seen this article that I'm about to talk about in the USA Today, you need to look it up because reading it could save you a whole lot of... I actually don't know what it's going to save you a whole lot of, but I urge you to read it. It's time to stop saying aloha and other culturally sensitive words. Yeah, that's right. Certain words require education and knowledge and foresight to understand when you should or should not use them. Aloha or hola or shalom. Those are ways to say hello in Hawaiian, Spanish, and Hebrew, respectively. But just because you can say something doesn't mean it's always appropriate. That's according to the article that goes on and says simple greetings and phrases from other races and cultures might seem fine to sprinkle into your vernacular. But if you're not educated on what the words actually mean at their core, then it comes off as mockery and maybe even a little racist. You know what I really want to mock? <laughs> this article. And something else or someone else I would like to mock, but I'm going to let them do it for themselves. First, I want to say that anybody can have no pronouns. This means instead of using any pronouns to describe this person, you would be using their full name. Some folks who use no pronouns will also sort of abbreviate their name to create their own pronoun. For myself, perhaps I decide that I want my pronoun to be Ray. That way, I'm still not using any pronouns. Instead, I'm almost using my own nickname as a pronoun. 
Okay, so forgive me for being ignorant of this whole pronoun argument, but regardless of whatever make-believe made-up pronoun you decide to use, it's still a pronoun. You can't call yourself someone having no pronouns if you use something as a pronoun. I guess anybody can be an expert on anything these days. That is not how pronouns work. And the U.S. Supreme Court has agreed to take a major religious liberty case involving a U.S. Postal Service carrier who made the request not to participate in Sunday deliveries but was denied. Gerald Groff, who's a Christian, had worked for the Postal Service since 2012 when his local post office began Sunday deliveries for Amazon in 2015. The Postal Service initially granted his request not to work on Sundays by transferring him to another branch, but when that branch too implemented Sunday deliveries, Groff was told that he must work on Sundays or face termination for refusing to work. He resigned and then sued the United States Postal Service and the Supreme Court on Friday of last week announced that it would take up Groff's case. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Revelation How can anyone know God unless He reveals Himself? If God did not speak, religion would be nothing more than man's best guess. But God has revealed Himself in creation, in the Bible, and in the person of Jesus Christ. We can know God, and we can be brought into right standing with Him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Be very, very quiet. I was being sarcastic, which is another big word you'll learn in school. What's the word on the street? Can't tell ya. This is Wretched Radio. If I actually use the word that is the word of the day, which is very similar to the word du jour, it might get us banned on the Internet machine. Ask Phil Johnson, what word are we speaking of? G-R asterisk asterisk M-I-N. We'll put another asterisk there to make sure that we don't get tagged for using a word that is being denied these days. And yet it is so observable how a godless society tries to go about the business of getting people to change their worldview, specifically their Christian worldview. I have story after story that demonstrates the attempt to alter our perception of what is good and lovely and worthy of praise. For instance, you have this from the BBC. Please note in advance, if you're a married couple, you can have as many children as you choose. That is not my point. If you choose to have one child, for whatever reasons you decide, that is just fine, biblically. This headline, The Rise of One-and-Done Parenting. In my opinion, this is yet another changing of cultural, not norms, because I think there's always been a fair amount of liberty when it comes to the number of children we have. Unless, of course, you want to be a homeschool family, then you need to have at least six. The point is, we used to esteem children. They were a huge blessing when somebody had a children. We celebrated that. One and done. We're done. It's just a negative portrayal of children, and it is, in my opinion, an attempt to get us all to the point where we just don't, we're kind of blasé about kids, and we shouldn't be. They're a blessing. And speaking of kids, received an email from my buddy, Highland. This, this, this is a fellow 
I learned from 20-some years ago, pastoring a local church in the Twin Cities. He's a godly man. He's a Bible man, but he's a shepherd. And sometimes some men can't find all of those things (laughs) and put it into one package. They can be this or that, but rarely are they high view of the Bible, preach accurately and well, and yet they're a shepherd. This guy was a shepherd. Do you recall the conversation that we had about a week ago on infertility, an issue that is far more prevalent than we think? And the article that I read was a consideration to be considerate and just think about this group of people because it's at least one in 10 in our churches that would like to have children, but they can't. Now, that doesn't mean we alter everything we do, but it can mean an acknowledgement that there are people who are there who are struggling with the issue when you do something that, I don't know if this trend is big in evangelical Christianity anymore, baby dedication. Uh, I have to, there, there's nothing wrong with a baby dedication. It's not a biblical command by any means. It just seems that it used to be a bigger deal than it is. I, I suspect, I'm not sure, and I'm not saying that it's a sin to dedicate a child to training them up, to holding each other accountable, to the congregation being willing to get involved in the affairs of a family to strengthen them. I think that's all sweet and good. I just, I kind of wonder if it's kind of like, look, there's a lot of people who are used to getting their babies baptized. And we don't believe in that. We don't believe in pedo-baptism or we don't believe in infant baptism. We believe in believer's baptism. So how's about we do a ceremony where we dedicate the baby? I suspect, I'm not sure that's the history and there ain't nothing wrong with a baby dedication. I just don't know that we're doing that much. Jimmy, have you seen a baby dedication in a long time? Well, yeah, I've done some, but um, uh, I have not seen them since I moved here. It's, It's been a bit. Right. I saw them more back home. You maybe it could you know maybe it's a, maybe it's a re- regional thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. In fact, to the point of elevating the value of children. Hey, this is a big deal. We've got an image bearer that came into the world. That's a big deal. My former pastor friend Highland would do baby dedications and say this: the dedication of children here at the church is a precious ministry moment for the individual family and for our church family especially when we realize that many couples still long to experience this unspeakable joy and privilege as we rejoice with this couple. Let's remember to pray for God's grace to be sufficient to those who find this day and this part of our service very painful because they long to share the joy that this couple is experiencing today. That's pastoral. That's being thoughtful right there. Gotta tell you, we need more shepherds. I, I love guys, you know, preaching the Bible. That is, out, that is a huge need, but it's not the only need. We need shepherds. And might I also suggest, if I can just sneak this in there, I was having a conversation with a buddy over Christmas. Jimmy, I think I shared this with you, talking about the role of expository preaching in a church. Yes. Uh-huh. And I said, I said, I don't think... Okay, if I were going to write the rules for churches, what their reputation should be, this is going to sound, this is going to hit your ear a little funny. I, I, I wouldn't say that we should be known as the church that exposits the Bible, just letting you pick up your china that you just dropped on the floor. 
I don't think a church should be known as the church that that deals with Scripture line by line, verse by verse. You say, what? That's all you guys talk about around there is expository preaching. Yep. But I don't think that's what we should be known for. I think we should be known as the church that loves Jesus, that lives differently, that loves people. Oh, and we accomplish that through expository preaching. Do you feel the difference? I'm a massive fan of expository preaching, but it's got to have an it's got to have a goal. It must have an aim. If if it isn't being delivered in an effort to help people know the love of God in Christ Jesus and to love him more, well, you might have delivered a data dump but I don't think it accomplished the goal that expository preaching should set for itself. And that is to encourage God's people to, yes, equip God's people, but ultimately for God's people to love the Lord more. So I think it is that, that a church should be known for the fruit of expository preaching, but not for expository preaching per se. No. Do I think it's a sin if you mention it or talk? No, of course not. It's code for a lot of it. Oh, they exposit the Bible. That's a good thing. They exposit the Bible. I'm going to go to a church like that because they take the word seriously. But my encouragement would be to make sure, though, that the end-all, be-all is an expository preaching. The end-all, be-all is loving Jesus more. If we're not pointing people in that direction, we're actually not pointing people to the best thing. If we are just delivering information that people need to live a more godly life, now don't get me wrong, that is well-pleasing to God, and it's pleasing for the Christian because the more our values and actions are in alignment with God's values, the happier we will be. I get that, but if, if we're just teaching how to without pointing people to the source of that how-to, when you, when you consider the big treaty, I, I think I really think First Peter is it's probably one of my favorite examples. Although you can pick any epistle, how do you endure persecution? You remember the love of God in Christ Jesus. How do you re, how do you remember to respond loving those who persecute you because Jesus loved those who persecuted him? And Peter and Paul and John, they always point back to the love of God. This is what God has done for you. Remember, this is what motivates everything. And if we're just telling the latter part of what to do, how to do it without being motivated, it's the, it's the old imperative versus indicatives. If you don't have indicatives and you deliver the imperatives, then that's just moralism or legalism or Pharisaism. But it's not Christianity. We do because of what's been done for us, and that always needs to be put in front of our face. Always, always, always. And so my encouragement is to do expository preaching, but do it toward that end. The rise of one and done parenting. What is it? It's the Phil Johnson word. <laughs> I think here's another instance of the G word that, that barbers do means a little something different. Penn State professor tells straight students to watch gay or lesbian porn to learn how to be bisexual. Isn't that cool right there? That's that's a little G word going on right there. That is about as overt as it could possibly be, isn't it? Minnesota to require teachers to affirm transgender ideology 
critical race theory. Boy, oh boy. This started in December 2021, now July 1st, 2024. In order to get your teaching license, you have got to make sure that you are teaching privilege, intersectionality, systemic oppression in the context of various communities. You've got to deal with systemic trauma, diverse impacts of blah, 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 blah. In other words, you got to be woke. Why? Because that's what you've got to teach to the kids. That is the G word, if ever I've heard it. I thought we weren't supposed to do that, my liberal friend. This is Wretched Radio. Cool, very cool. The Tomorrow Clubs now have 106 clubs in Romania. This year marks the celebration of the 25th anniversary of our ministry. But also, it is a very important milestone for Tomorrow Clubs Romania. Now, Tomorrow Clubs Romania has 106 clubs. That means 106 villages are hearing the gospel proclaimed to the kids who get saved. They bring the gospel home. Parents get saved and local churches get strengthened. Would you please consider supporting the Tomorrow Clubs? Not only do they have hundreds of clubs in Romania, Ukraine, Russia, Albania, all over Eastern Europe and now in Africa, would you please consider what might you do to bring the gospel to both Africa and to Eastern Europe? Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Hey, thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. Well, mark the date February 1st in your calendars because that's when season two of Transformed is set to launch. Season one, of course, was a hit and you don't have to be very smart to realize why. It's because biblical counseling works. The Bible has the answers to all of our issues. Depression, anxiety, OCD, addiction, whatever malady you happen to be facing at the moment, biblical counseling can and will solve your issue, not just slap a secular band-aid on it. Season 2 of Transform is coming February 1st, and of course it's only possible because of your support. Actually, the support of our gospel partners is what makes everything around here possible. We couldn't do any of this without you. So, would you log on to wretched.org slash donate now to find out how you could become an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. For your consideration, not one but two ways that you could strengthen the local global church, the Masters Academy International, training men in Los Angeles who then return to their home countries and open up mini seminaries to train pastors in their native land. That strengthens the local church. But there's another way you can do just that. We are partnering with the Masters Academy International to send Bibles to the Philippines. Not just any Bible, MacArthur Study Bibles to believers in TMAI-trained churches. These efforts strengthen the local church. Would you please consider how many Bibles you might send? How many seminaries? you might support overseas. To learn more, visit wretched.org slash pastor, or if you like the Bible sending idea, wretched.org slash Bible. Hermeneutics. 
A vital part of biblical hermeneutics is an understanding of genre. One genre we find in Scripture is an epistle. Epistles are letters written to the church at large or to a specific church which contain doctrine, theological arguments, and practical application. God uses first century correspondence to deliver His timeless truth. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. The thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Spanning the globe. Because I got a text from a buddy in Great Britain. Wanted to share some good news coming out of the UK. But I don't have a bunch of British stories, so in order to slap them together with stories from around the globe, you play a jingle, you slap them together, and you call it Wide World of Christian News so I can talk about King Charles III. This is Wretched Radio, and this is actually some good news coming out of Great Britain. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, we were discussing King Charles taking the oath at his coronation. And I, as a non-Brit, was pondering, will he say defender of the faith or defender of the faiths? Because, as many people speculated, if he does not vow to be the defender of the faith, well, that would be like good night Anglican communion, any last semblance of Christian influence on Great Britain, That would be kind of the nail in the coffin. Well, a buddy of mine via Australia, who's actually in Great Britain, said, "Uh, actually, he already did take a vow. He in September, uh, the king could have objected, but he chose to stay with the traditional wording. What was the traditional wording? Well, my buddy sent the link. This is the vow that King Charles took. I understand that the law requires that I should, at my ascension to the crown, take and subscribe the oath relating to the security of the Church of Scotland. I am ready to do so at the first opportunity. Here it comes. I, Charles III, by the grace of God of the United Kingdom and of Great Britain and Northern Ireland and of my other realms and territories, (laughs) wow, King, Defender of the Faith, singular, do faithfully promise and swear that I shall inviolably maintain and preserve the settlement of the true Protestant religion. Wow. As established by the laws made in Scotland in prosecution of the claim of right, and particularly by an act of instituted. Should that have been instituted? (laughs) Is there there a typo in the vow here? (laughs) An act for securing the Protestant religion and Presbyterian church government and by the acts passed in the Parliament of both kingdoms for union of the two kingdoms together with the government, worship, discipline, rights and privileges of the Church of Scotland. So help me God. That's some good news, wouldn't you? Hey, Jimmy. Yes. I got one more good news. That might be the the stack for good news stories. It's a little short. Virginia just passed a piece of legislation that if you're pregnant, congratulations. You can you can drive in the the what's that lane called? Carpool lane? Yeah, but now you have to pay for it. What's well, the difference? There's a peach lane okay. and you have to pay for that. You know the the roads that you've already paid for through your taxes. If, if you want to drive way over there in the left, the toll, whatever that yeah. thing is, right? But then there's the carpooling lane, mm-hmm. two or more. Virginia, you're pregnant. 
you qualify. Listen, listen. Can you can you hear the shrieks coming from Nancy Pelosi <laughs> and all of the other feminists? Yikes. In the meantime, in Detroit, that's in America. Got a dilemma for you, Jimmy. You be the judge. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Order in the court. Jimmy, you are on the Detroit legislation people party of the you're the city council is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) (laughs) You're a politician in Hamtramck. That is a predominantly Muslim town. They just passed a law that said animal sacrifices for religious reasons are okay because Muslims often slaughter animals, typically goats or sheep, or pay someone to do that for them during Eid al-Adha. Meat is shared with family, friends, and the poor. Population 28,000. More than half the residents are of Yemeni or Bangladeshi descent. Jimmy, you are on the city council. Okay. Would you vote for that legislation or not? Yeah, I'm not sure that I would. Why not? It's grotesque. What's grotesque about it? Killing animals? Yeah. I know maybe you've unhitched your Old Testament, but didn't that happen a lot? Yeah, it did, but it doesn't anymore. It, because we're under the new covenant, but this is a different religion that still practices some form of animal sacrifice. So why would you stop them when it's not a sin to sacrifice an animal? Otherwise, the Bible would be loaded with sinning. This is a different religion totally, but the Jewish religion would say sacrificing an animal for the covering of sin. There was Passover. There was Yom Kippur. There were sacrifices throughout the year for the covering of sins. It's not a sin. Why would you keep the Muslims from sacrificing animals today? Well, I'm going to make that just like we talked about uh, previously. I'm going to make uh, the decision based on my Christian belief. Ah, so you're not going to leave your religion at the door, huh? I am not. (laughs) (laughs) So you're going to prohibit them from exercising their religious liberty. (laughs) Well, when you put it like that, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what it is. Well, uh, you know what? I, I feel that gut too. It's like, no, 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 no. We're done with that because of Jesus. Well, they don't believe in the same Jesus. They believe Jesus was merely a prophet, but not the divine son of God. And that makes all the difference in the world, not just with Muslims, but with Jewish people too. If they do not believe in the son, they do not have the father either. You've got to believe in Jesus. You can, people who just believe in the God of the Old Testament, if they now do not believe in Jesus, they don't believe in the God of the Old Testament. Because if you knew the Father, you would know him. Let's go to the Supreme Court, shall we? You're going to be wanting to watch for these decisions. A couple of biggies coming down the pipe. They, pipe or pike? Pike? Pike. Pike. Coming down. A northern pike. I know what that is. <laughs> I don't know. You put somebody's head on a pike if you're an Assyrian. What's coming down the pike? Is that another word for tributary? There's a couple of them coming right down the river. Race-based admissions and refusal to celebrate gay weddings. These are the cases that have been argued at the Supreme Court. These are big. These, one in particular, if you have to, uh, you have to participate in a gay wedding if you are a public business, and then I would suggest by extension, a church, 
What will the Supreme Court decide? This could be the ruling that we've been waiting for since 2015. If they in their right minds and say, no, you can't make people do something that is contrary to their religious beliefs. You can't do that. Then we've temporarily dodged a bit of a bullet. If, on the other hand, they say, nope, you got to do it. Look out. The doors have just been kicked down by the Supreme Court. What will John Roberts do? And it will not stop at businesses. It will go to church. It will not stop at church. It will come to your home. Let's be watching. And I don't know, maybe praying for those decisions coming down. When we used to pray, do you remember when we used to have prayer meetings, Jimmy? Here's a scary one for you. Most teenagers say they viewed porn by age 13. Cool. 54% said they had seen pornography online at age 13 or younger. Mom and dad don't want to tell you how to parent your kids, but you got to wrestle with that cell phone business. Please just. All right, this is this is as far as I'll extend my parental encouragement. Don't give them a cell phone without something to protect them. Don't do it. It's got to have a filter. It's got to have a filter, and you got to be checking it, and you've got to have access to it, and you've got to be savvy enough to know how to get around the get-arounds that they get around because they will. And if you don't, they're watching porn. Now, they say, this was, by the way, an online survey, which was probably pretty anonymous. The survey asked teens whether they agreed with a statement proclaiming, I believe watching online porn is wrong. 41% agreed with the statement. That means 59% didn't. Why? Because increasingly porn, that's normative. Just the way it's, what was that? The professor at Penn State encouraging the straight guys to watch gay porn, to, you know, just to think about becoming bisexual. Zoinks, Scoob. Half of the teens, 50%, reported feeling guilty or ashamed after watching porn. All right, it's bad that a kid watches porn, but once again, we see an opportunity. So if they feel guilt and shame... You could ask a teenager. You could ask a college student. Hey, just hypothetically, if you ever watch porn, do you ever feel guilt or shame? And you've got an open door to the gospel to present good news to them that Jesus Christ is so good. He will forgive you even though you have been looking at filthy, forbidden images. That's how good Jesus Christ is. Run to him today. Leave your porn behind and he will call you up to bigger, better, and grander things. I know it ain't good that we see a culture that is getting steeped in pornography, but there's no way they can escape the shame and the pain. They can't. You just, they can't. Now, their conscience can become dulled to it, which means you probably need to put the paddles on it and work overtime with the law to bring about the knowledge of sin. But these kids are hurting. They're sinning. They're feeling it. And we've got a solution. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.